Hello, 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 6 a.m. runners, 6 a.m. community, um, everyone out there. This is uh, Hami Mahani, your founder, your CEO of 6 a.m. Run, delving into this podcast world. You guys are now probably have heard a few. I think I'm recording it. We're now in our 20th some episodes. I'm getting excited. I hope I'm getting better as you guys have really episode by episode helped this, this podcast grow. Our running community continues to grow. As I'm recording this one, this is our second day. And Roy, I'm about to introduce you, but you guys all know we are live on GNC.com right now. So some big things are happening for 6amrun.com. Partnership with GNC is underway, all great things. And I want to thank, obviously, our listeners, our community, and our group of runners who have backed this product and made it so good. But as you know, this podcast is not about that. We want to help runners. We want to help individuals. I've been on the search for individuals that I think I can bring on this show that can, as you run or as you're on, on your way to work or whatever you're doing during your daily activities, you know, if you can listen to this, these episodes, hopefully this brings some kind of enrichment in your lives. And with that, I want to let Mr. Roy Red, who I would like him to introduce himself. Roy, please, you know, thank you. First of all, I'm excited. We just had a great pre-call. Please introduce yourself what you do for a living. I know you have a book. Tell us everything about yourself and why, basically, if you don't mind saying why I was drawn to your profile and wanted you on this show. Well, first off, I want to say thank you, Hami, for having me on. Thank you guys for allowing me to be on. You know, you guys are crushing it, doing your thing early in the morning while everyone's asleep. You guys are getting better. My name's Roy Red, just a regular kid from Gardena, California, which is really close to Compton, California. And I really had a really good life. Both of my parents were police officers. My dad left the force and then became a really successful physical trainer. And I kind of had everything made out for me and I ruined it. I messed it up. In 2011, I went through a situation where I ended up pushing my 1987 Honda Civic on the freeway in LA on the 10 freeway going westbound. And at the time, they were still building the the fast lane. And so I thought it would be cool to hop in the diamond lane because I was late for work and my car broke down. And when my car broke down, you know, I just remember thinking, you know, I have no money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was embarrassed. The Channel 7 News Chopper was over my head with cameras on me saying, this is the reason, this is a guy who's holding up traffic. And there was a center median keeping me from just pushing the car off the road. So I had to push this car forward before I can get to the next center median. And when I looked up, it was two miles that I had to push that car. And somewhere in between where I was and that two miles, I just, with tears in my eyes, said I, nothing like this will ever happen to me ever again. Wow. And I just asked myself a simple question. You know, Roy, you got all the tools. You got good parents. You know, you have money. You got a good job. You're smart. You live in America. Why do you continue to self-sabotage yourself? And when I asked myself that question, I didn't like the answer. And it was simple. I didn't take full responsibility for my life. And if I could just take full responsibility, make my common sense, my actual common practice, then I could change all that. And then from having tears in my eyes, being depressed in that moment, I then got joyful in that moment because I said, you know what? I messed it up. I can fix it. And, you know, that's exactly what I did. And over the course of the next year, I built a six-figure business. It was a CPR business. I was the first business I started. I still have that business to this day, teaching uh, healthcare providers how to do CPR. Of course, they need it every two years to renew just to keep up mm -hmm. their license. And uh, that's what 
got me into the business world. Fast forward, I wrote my first book, The Success Magnet, Cultivate the Five Values That Attract Success. And um, when I was launching this book, an MBA skills trainer by the name of Casey Trujeque DM'd me on Instagram. Was Instagram out or Twitter? I think it was Instagram. And he said, hey, this stuff you do in this book, you know, it doesn't work on athletes. And I didn't even really know if it did at the time. So I said, sure. And he said, well, I need you to come talk to my athlete. And I just kind of kind of just brushed him off because I was in the middle of my book launch. I wanted to make it a bestseller. It was my first book. This was in 2016. And he called me the next day and said, listen, I need you to fly to Oregon right now. And I need you to work with my athlete. And that athlete ended up being Alan Crabb with after doing some of the work we did together, end up earning himself an $85 million contract with the Portland Trailblazers and just having a really good NBA career. And I rode his coattails to to where I am today. I rode his coattail to two TED Talks, speaking all over the world, helping CEOs, helping other athletes with mindset with performance and with growing their life and business. And that's where we are today. Wow. And I want to go back to pushing the car two miles. I think that, you know, and your your physical fitness attributes and your dealing with athletes and in the sporting world. Can you, and I think you can really, this is kind of like that marathon mentality of, of, of that, you know, not stopping. You know, you were actually in a situation where you had to push that car. I know you, every minute you probably are like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this or I want to stop. Do you think it was that, I don't know how I want to ask this question. Do you think it was though that completion of pushing a car two miles that you knew the effort that went into that and you didn't quit in your car? Do you think, I feel like when I heard that part of your intro, I just to myself thought like, man, he probably saw the hard work that went into that and kind of said, all right, look, I don't have to work this hard, right? Like you did finish that. And kind of also you're thinking, well, if I can do that, I probably can do anything, right? Like, I mean, that kind of probably, I got to assume beefed you up a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing opening. Now that you put it that way, when it first happened, I did what I did. And most times in my life, I look behind me to get help from someone. And I remember the car behind me, it was this, this beautiful lady. She had brunette hair and she was driving a brand new Mercedes Benz. And I looked at her and my eyes was asking her eyes, hey, can you help push my car with your car? And she looked at me and just shrugged her shoulders like, I'm not here for you. I realized I didn't have anybody to help me. I I had to push the car. It's kind of like burning your boats. Look forward. And I put my head down and I didn't want to look at how far I had to go. So I kept my head down and I literally, this was my self-talk. And this is self-talk I use when I go on hard hikes and I'll get tired. I said, I just said, man, move feet, feet, move man, man, move feet, feet, move man. And I just kept telling myself that over and over. And I don't even know how long it took me, but I remember just looking up and next thing you know, I saw a tow truck that was waiting for me at the end. And uh, he told my car off the road. Well, I just feel like, again, a lot of it is will. And I feel like that you proved yourself in my mind, you proved to me. You grew up, let me, let me ask you this too, though. I want to go back. Do you think though, I know I have a 14 year old and I know how my parents were with me. I don't mean to stereotype, but do you think having two police officer parents, there was always though some discipline that was instilled in you? I got to assume that kind of person, you know, my parents were not police officers, but I know my parents were very discipline oriented, which I didn't know rubbed off on me till I was a little older. Would you agree with having two that were cops? And we know cops, you know, have to follow the rule of the law. And majority, 
to the most part do. Uh, we won't veer off subject, but do you think that helped you kind of have that discipline in entrepreneurial? Because, you know, tell, saying just starting a CPR business and like getting in the, you have to be disciplined yeah. if you're going to be your own boss. You can't be your own boss and be lazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. My parents weren't disciplined in the traditional sense. I didn't find out till later in life that I'm actually very, very smart. I thought I was, I wasn't smart growing up because I always got bad grades and I was super disagreeable. My dad was more of a the disciplinary person, but my dad knew ways to motivate me. He knew I was extremely competitive and that if he could add some competitiveness to things that he can make distinctions and get me to work hard. And so I loved basketball. And so my dad would take me out every night to shoot jumpers, work on my handle. And then when I started to see myself get really good and surpass the other kids, it made me realize like, oh, these nights of coming out here in the cold, even when I don't feel like it and just coming out and working every single day, this is the key. And my dad gave me the key to unlocking success in anything is being able to do the mundane stuff every single day for years. Mm -hmm. And I will say that is my superpower. And then my mom was the motivation. My mom was the, you can do anything. You're the best. One of my mom's favorite quotes is uh, cute only counts in beauty pageants and life isn't one. So you better go show them what you could do. And so uh-huh. between my dad showing me what discipline does and, and helping me get disciplined, and my mom's motivation and, and giving me words of, of affirmation was kind of the key of, of making me who I am. Well, I think I want to touch on that subject because even that's me. What was funny was I was a, a BC student for the, forever, not even for the longest time. But to your point, I think what I like nowadays, I think there are Votex schools. I know in my college, University of Delaware here on the East Coast, they're adding entrepreneurial courses now. And I think entrepreneurship is a major, even though we'll get into my thoughts on that being a waste of money and maybe later conversation, but it's a major now at a university. Like, So you can go pay someone basically $40,000 and learn that. But I will say it's better than forcing a child into like a, a major that they, they're not interested in, right? Or something. So I think you really hit the nail on the head there. I think what your parents did, what I think teachers should do is find what is going to motivate that person? You know, I, I always got yelled at because I got C's and the teachers were like, we're only yelling at you because we know you can do better. If we thought C's were your limit, we wouldn't care. We'd be proud of you. Yeah. And I, I never got that till I got older, right? Like that doesn't make sense anyway. But like, so I, everything I think you went through, I think what I love about your story so far is like, you definitely bring it back to yourself and still figure out a way to just make it a win. Life nowadays, everyone uses that word like, you know, did you take an L or did you win it? I feel like you still took any L at that moment and just made it like an overall victory. Am I right? Yeah. Again, my dad, I remember I was really bad at math or I thought I was bad at math. I was just lazy. They had like this game in elementary school where you have to be really good at math to win the game. And I remember we were playing the game and the best kid at the school was like this nerdy kid with thick glasses. And my dad said something really subtle to light a light a fire under my, my butt. He said, dang, you let that nerd beat you at math. And I remember thinking like, that dude ain't beating me at nothing. I went from F's in math to winning this math game at like a national level. Like I went, I beat everybody in my school district and went to like 
these this nationals and when i went to nationals i lost the first round because i was like those kids are super good but he just knew the simple little things that would motivate me because he just knew i was a competitive kid and so it seems like too you you're driven and i know i know i am the mm-hmm. worst thing you can tell me is you can't do that yes that like that's it i think if you tell me you can't do that then that Instead of me being like, and I know some people are like this. Uh, some people are very pacifist and that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they take people's advice to heart. Mm-hmm. And not, I'm not saying sometimes advice doesn't, it's not, your dad knew that would grind your gears. So he did it in a good way, a great way. I think there are some people that would have taken that advice and be like, oh, he's right. I can't do it. I'm not going to even try. But like that, me, I'm opposite. I think you and I are wired probably the same way. If you tell me, hey, not even like I bet, but like, hey, I don't think you can move this laptop from this room to the other room in under 10 seconds. Well, I'm gonna try. I think too, you know, the, the word I'm looking for a little bit, maybe it's like, it's like a gamification of things, right? Like, can this be done? So for sure, I think that that's, and and I think that's why sports are so big in this country, you know, and and, and other countries have other sports that are huge. But I think that when we can get into a situation where we can compete or can we do things better than other people, when you kind of gamify things, it for sure makes it fun. You know, I mean, look, ESPN picked up the spelling bee, right? Like that's, you never thought ESPN would show the national spelling bee, right? So let me ask you this. I want to get back to one thing. You mentioned California and Southern California at that. I feel like what I love about California and I don't like about the East Coast, and maybe it is a weather thing, and maybe it's a more of a calm, cool, collected swagger of California. East Coast is very just put your head down and grind, where I feel like California is about partnerships. People are business partners. People are friends. They start businesses together. Is that something you find in California? You have, like, if you want to start a business, you have people you can call. And let me tell you where I'm getting this example from. Yeah. We went to it. Uh, my daughter was visiting a school out there. And then we were at our hotel. And I never forget the restaurant kind of bar on the top of the hotel. The bartender threw his phone out. He's like, I got four people in this phone right now that are millionaires. I'm not going to call them until I have the best idea I think I have. But when I do, I think I got financial backing. Yeah. And like, I was like, wow, like, I hate the whole work hard thing. You sometimes need help in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, you for sure need help. Yeah, California is the cesspool of super talented people because so many people move here because of the good weather. Obviously, the gold rush was here. I know California's economy. Oh, what's the what's the country's at war? Uh, California's economy is double Russia's, right? Whole yeah. economy, just just California itself. And so, just you meet so many people here. Like I live right downtown. I live across. The, literally, I can see the Staples Center right here. Oh, wow. the Lakers play, but there's a cigar lounge down the way. It's crypto, by the way, crypto. Oh, the crypto.com. Well, I don't know if crypto.com is not paying their bills because that sign isn't up yet. I I look at it every day. I'm like, they still put the sign up. I wonder if crypto is paying their bills. But um, that's funny. I can go to the cigar lounge right here and sit there for a couple hours with my laptop out. And automatically I'll start having conversations. I'll meet a contractor. I'll meet a coach. I met the guy who's um, next door to me is a, I live in a really nice apartment building, but next door is like the best one in downtown and they're building onto it. The guy who is um, a part owner of it, it's called Circa LA. He was in there. I met him and it's just so many people anywhere you yeah. go. The only thing is, is it's hard to focus because there's always something to do and people to meet. And sometimes you, it's hard to find that balance of collaborating and grind. But once you find that balance, 
you have all the resources you need here from from people. You got people ready to invest money in your idea as long as they believe in it, you know? But yeah, I definitely agree with you. A lot of people do connect here. A lot of people come to connect. There's some fake connections too, but that's with anything. And it's good weather. So most people are in a good mood most of the time as well, you know? Yeah. It's 75 degrees, sun is out. So people are smiling and they're just connecting. Yeah, no, I, and that brings us on another subject. I think I hate the phrase, but I think sometimes, what was that? The, my wife was uh, watching, um, in, is it Inventing Anna? What's that Netflix show? Inventing Anna, um, oh, I don't know. Where she's, it's, it's almost like Tinder Swindler, where she's kind of like, she's trying to get this you know club started in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll find out the name of it soon here. But um, she basically goes to these banks and she wants like a quarter million dollars. She genuinely wants to start this like club. Yeah. But she lied about like her like net worth and things like that. So the banks would like back her, yeah. but she genuinely just wanted to start a club. So a part of me was watching that being like, all right, unfortunately she took it the wrong way and took the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I like sometimes if certain success stories, you can hear like, look, yeah, I had to maybe like fake it a little bit till I made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you definitely have to vet that out. I love your description of everything. I want to touch on that real quick. I hate the fake it till you make it thing. Here's how you got to look at it. You might be, you know, I don't know you guys, but if someone asks you on a scale of one to 10, how good at you at your thing, I'm going to guess you're at least better than a six, somewhere up to a 10, right? But the market might see you as a two or a three. So it's not fake you till you make it. It's you're just putting out a brand and symbols and wording to show the market your actual value so the market could see you as you are. So we're not faking it. It's just no. the market sees us at as, as a three and we're trying to show them like, hey man, I'm an eight. Yep. You know, that's all it is. No, I, I totally agree. So let's go back to, and you and I have so many things in common. So I feel like we can have this two hour discussion probably and their time's kind of flying. So talk to me a little bit about the entrepreneurial spirit in you. So mm-hmm. obviously we, we know we've established so many things you go through and that's, I feel like you have to go through those things. Last thing I'll say on that is I feel like if, if anyone asks me an entrepreneurial question, my answer around all of this is this, you are not successful without a ton of failures. And I think yeah. you just kind of, you basically blanket statemented that too. Yeah. And you and I love basketball. It's that Michael Jordan statement. I'm going to miss 20,000 shots, mm-hmm. but I've hit you know 20 game winners, yeah. right? When it counted. So same thing with me in business. I've had 10,000 bad ideas, right? Mm -hmm. But look at the one I've had in in 6 a.m. run that was great. So anyway, we've established that. So now tell me about the entrepreneurial spirit, you starting these businesses, and then now how you also take that. And what I love about you, I know this is a very broad question, but I'm, I'm trying to concise it down. And then saying, look, let me share this with everyone. After I was, you know, broke and went through that situation, I got a job at Kaiser Permanente and that's when I started my reading journey. I've been reading a book a week at least since 2011. And the book I was reading at the time was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I was in the break room reading that book. And my first kind of mentor, his name was Damian Black, came up to me and was like, hey, I love that book. Are you into like motivation and self-help? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I love it. I've, you know, I'm getting into it. He's like, well, I have this seminar Uh, where all these millionaires and billionaires are going to be at, you want to come with me? I'm like, sure. And he's like, yeah, the tickets are 5,000. I'm like, 
I can't go. (laughs) I don't have that money. He's like, no, no, no. I have two tickets. You know, you just come with me. So I went. And when I went to this place, man, as when I met the first billionaire I've ever met personally in my life. Um, And that's when I kind of met one of my first mentors. His name is JT Fox. For any of you guys who are on Clubhouse, JT blew up on Clubhouse kind of controversially because he says some things that people don't like, but he's just a really good coach. And what really good coaches know is you have to break someone's thinking pattern before you can change them. So he does that really well. But I remember being at this event and one thing that every millionaire and billionaire asked me about my business, and I didn't even have a business at the time. I made up, remember the fake it till you make it part? I pretended like I had the CPR business. I literally came up with it in my head because it was the only thing I could think of. And this billionaire asked me, he said, what's the difference between your business and other CPR businesses? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, young man, let's have lunch. And then like five other multimillionaires asked me that same question. I'm like, why does this must be the key? They keep asking me the same question. And then obviously later I learned about USP, unique selling proposition, having a category of one so that people aren't looking for a coach. They're actually looking. You don't want people to make a buying decision between you or someone else. You want them to just go yes or no. Right. And you can get a yes or no based on how you phrase your USP. So like one of my USPs, like for my podcast, the entrepreneur underdog is we help underdog entrepreneurs win in life in business. So if you're an entrepreneur who feels like an underdog, I'll resonate with you more. But went to the lunch with that billionaire and he was talking about how he was the only person who made the ramps that go up on U-Hauls. He was the only person that made them and how he built his company and I remember him just saying, and that's why we grossed da 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 billion dollars. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We grossed this million billion dollars over the last few years. And I was just like, okay, now I'm dialed in. Mm-hmm. And he told me different ways to position yourself and brand yourself. And one of those ways was writing a best-selling book. One of those ways was getting on stages and speaking. Um, whatever you can do to wow people and get people's attention and really show them the information that you have is viable. And that sparked my entrepreneur journey. I went home after that seminar, actually started that business that I made up in my head called Red Zone CPR. I had clientele because I was already in the medical field as a paramedic at the time. So I put that together and I was sitting down thinking of going through the exercise that he taught me on how to come up with a category of one, a unique selling proposition, a value proposition where people say, I want to go with you. And one thing I realized about medical professionals is they take CPR every year. They don't want to sit in the class for eight hours. Right. So I said, oh, if I can make this class fast for them, then speed will be my unique selling proposition, like Domino's pizza, hot pizza at your door in 30 minutes or less. Right. Right. They never said the pizza would taste good. They just said, We'll get pizza to your door in 30 minutes or less. So speed is one of the ways to really create a unique selling proposition. And um, that's what we did for them. And that business blew up overnight, actually. Um, Went to like 180 in revenue in like six months. And just, and I don't even, I don't even try to grow it anymore. If I really wanted to, I could really take that to a seven figure brand, but I just, you know, I don't. I let other people run it and I just take a percentage, but 
that's what really sparked my entrepreneurial spirit and learning the psychology of how to sell things, building my communication, learning how to speak, learning how to talk, learning how to tell a story. It's all just very, very interesting. Well, even that too, let me say there, what I learned as I got older, you're bringing up, and I I hope some of our runners can also use this very well. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys are really getting uh, education on this episode. What Roy also did, which was very smart, and I think you'll agree, and this is why you did it. Roy set something up that basically has just income coming in without him doing any work, right? So you could retire tomorrow. You know, as I get older, Roy, I'm a little older than you. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow's not promised, right? Or you don't know, you know, what if you, I hate to say this, but what if you get into an accident and can't walk? You know what I mean? And can't work. You've set something up. You've done something super smart in the sense that, you know, let's say, and I'm not not going with, but if someone were an entrepreneur and the business was totally dependent on them and they get into a severe accident or something happens where they can't talk, can't walk, can't work, then that business essentially is worth, excuse my language, shit. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you know, and that's why they always say like, maybe buy like an apartment that you just have rent coming in, you know, maybe buy, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I love hearing that you've done some smart things like that. And now it's like, all right, let me continue on growing other things or diving into other dreams. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm in that kind of thing with 6am run. I want to, you know, we're doing, and I'll, I'll let you guys kind of know we're doing things now so that, you know, if I'm not here tomorrow, 6 a.m. run is still a well-oiled machine. Yeah. My mentor always says a good business is a business that brings in consistent revenue without you having to be there all the time. Right. Absolutely. If it's not that, then it's a job. Yeah. And again, and by the way, it's okay to start as a job, but then you yeah. have to really figure out to automate things. I think that's the key word I've learned in the 2000s. Like automation is just, mm-hmm. I mean, you go now, I think McDonald's you know, has kiosks. It's crazy what automation is doing. Yeah. Let me talk to you about that a little bit. Maybe we could talk about technology. Has technology, you think, made it easier for entrepreneurs to become entrepreneurs? I mean, really, that's, I feel like, you know, you can drop ship on Amazon. Yeah. I want to talk about two things with you before I let you go. I don't know if it was, I don't know who the, the guy, it was either like a Gary Vee or something, but they were like, look, Give me 10 bucks and a phone and throw me anywhere in the world. But if I've got the phone and internet, like I'm going to figure out a way to make money. Yeah. Right. This thing right here. And I got two of them. Yeah. With this and the laptop, a 15 year old kid could crush your entire company. Right. With a good idea. My friend, Andre Woodley, and he actually does a podcast with me called the SBYR show. Start before you're ready. He is a genius at coming up with ideas that will put a company out of business. We'll be just, you know, in Miami partying and we had an issue with like parking or something and you had to like do all this stuff with the parking. And he was like, yo, I could just code this, create a program to do this, cut this whole business out. (laughs) He's like, I could just, and he was angry when he was saying it. He was like, I "I should do that tomorrow just to put them out of business. And he wouldn't mind me saying this because it's out there now. He did that and he built a million dollar. This kid built a million dollar business in three months. That's how he did it. He was trying to get a hold of um, uh, what was in coronavirus, like the unemployment lines. And he kept getting put on hold. And like, this is what he says verbatim. He goes, yo, I'm tired of this. I'm going to put them out of business. He coded a bot to call them, go through the prompts get them on the phone and then it calls him once someone's on the phone. 
And now he does that for you. It's called auto dial. And now he's just trying to scale it, trying to get every single thing that people have to get on hold for, for hours. And his, his USP is get on the phone with any business in five minutes or less without being put on hold. And so he has a bot, you, you go in, you click it and the bot does all the work and he's a programmer, right? He's done some cool ideas. He was also in YCY Accommodator, which for those who doesn't know, is the biggest tech uh, conglomerate in the world. And he made a million dollar business during three months. And now he's going to scale that. And it's going to be a billion dollar business. It's just really who can get it, get all the, uh, things on their platform first because i think he has two competitors only two competitors i mean you have to you have to look at i mean it was on netflix it was the um it was the blockbuster video and you know you you forget blockbuster had a chance to own netflix you know what i mean and and look at like and look at blockbuster and look what happened so people need to be aware of i think we try to do that here i'm sure you do it if you don't think of i'll say this as an entrepreneur too you have to always think of ways other people could possibly put you out of business so that you can get that and own it. So uh, your friend's name was what? Andre Woodley. So you need an Andre Woodley in your company at all times. Hey, Andre, think of how would you put us out of business, so to say, right? Like, and that way, at least Andre, let's, let's say, let's use Blockbuster and, and Netflix, right? All right. You would do direct DVD, mail to homes and start your own production company. All right, well, we're going to do that first. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So no, for sure. And and I think your other point is we kind of come toward the end of the conversation here. I mean, like, I love what you said about USB. I think, you know, um, yeah. what it is, is, and I love Simon Sinek. I don't like many motivational speakers because I feel like they all spit the same game. But Simon Sinek is, it's all about community, right? It's all about building a community too. I think what people like to be part of is a business. And, and we do that here. I make no secret about it. Of course, 6AM Run sells amazing products, but you know what's even better is our group of runners. Even if you don't buy a 6AM Run product, you know, you're in our Instagram, you're in our Facebook group, you post about your running. You know, that's where I think two companies fail. You know, every company's so quick to tell you, I got the best cup, I got the best mic, I got the best phone, right? But like... Anybody could say that. That doesn't make you unique. No, not at all. Yeah. You really want to be unique. And, you know, just for the runners out there, I know when you're running... You're full of endorphins, you're full of serotonin, you're full of dopamine. You're having great ideas when you're running. Right. Please take those ideas, get them out of your head. And I want to I want to give you guys some bad news and some good news. The bad news is middle class is dead and the new middle class is millionaire. That's going to be the new middle class. Yeah. Now that sounds kind of like, whoa, like millionaire is going to be the new middle class. But guess what? Also... We have the biggest what's called platform maturity ever in the history of life that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I know NFTs and all of the new stuff. We, we want to get into the sexy stuff, but the internet is still brand new. I travel all around the world speaking. When I went to Philippines, I spoke with a guy who's trying to bring Wi-Fi to different people in the Philippines. He was saying out 700 million, like 700 mil, million people that he was trying to bring Wi-Fi to. And I was like, What? Yeah, there's still billions. There's more people not online than there is online. And it's going to be the biggest platform maturity in the history of time. And if you're not online, all these life coaches that get on your nerves on that, say they're a life coach, they're going to all have six figure businesses as everybody comes online in the next decade. 
because when these people come online, they're just going to be like us when we got dial up. They're going to go everywhere. And if you could just get your little community of 100 people, that's your seven-figure business, baby. If you can get 100 people out of those 3 billion that come online in the next few years, there's your million. I want to bring you on more. I think like, and you just said it, a lot of our runners, they become great at what they're doing and they coach other runners in our community. I love our runners giving other runners advice, training tips for marathons, things of that nature. So to your point, I mean, you, you just need to kind of build your community, build your village. You need to be, I always tell people, be a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Because I'm be, you want to be a master of a subject, right? You want to be viewed upon as the authority on a certain, whatever it is on a subject, on um, a tool that you've created or used, you know, you want to be the leader in that space and know, you know, you, for example, you've done that. You have a book, you are published author. When you speak on things, um, there's validity to your name. Obviously why I wanted you on this show and I think that, you know, you take the time, you said you read a lot, you have a lot of books, you get mentored a lot. That's the last thing I want to end on and, and compliment you on. It does seem too. Uh, I think sometimes where I look at my younger self, I used to sit in boardrooms with men my age, 40 some years old. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, man, these people don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but that was the wrong attitude. You know what I'm saying? And I think they got that vibe and didn't want to work with me. Yeah. Whereas if I could tell my 18 year old self today, listen, you're going to sit in a room with a bunch of 40 year old men and women that don't get it. Yeah. Approach them better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't be so, I think that's when I was younger where I made a lot of mistakes. It was just being cocky, being like, dude, you don't know shit. And nobody wanted to work with me on the flip side of that. Whereas I would now go into those meetings and be like, listen, I think your older ways are kind of like we just talked about. Yeah moving away, let's try, please give me a chance to prove to you this will work. You know, and, and those are mistakes I know I for sure made when I was younger. That's one of the uh, rules of power is never outshine the master. Mm-hmm. Never outshine the master. And uh, I have a friend who's a comedian and an actor. A lot of people won't give him opportunities, even though he's probably the most talented in the industry. And I told him it's because they're scared of you. Right. You're too good. You got to dim your light just a little bit right. until they let you in and then go all out. Don't outshine the master. It's tough for this generation too, because for example, your friend, he's probably really gassed up by his fans. Yes. His social media fans. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And whether you have three friends on Facebook or Instagram, or you have 300,000, you have someone that gasses you up. Yeah. You know, you look at the people that have like 10 followers. Well, guess what? Five of those followers like every one of their posts. You know what I mean? So that's why that person's on Instagram, you know? So listen, Roy, both of us have other meetings and stuff and I want to let you go, but this was amazing conversation. Let me do this real quick. Please email me all this so I can put in the description. Where can, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, where can um, people who want more of your wisdom in this, in this game, where can they reach you? How can they reach you? Your social handles, your website, your book title. Can you just please tell us all of those pieces of information? So go to Google, type in Roy, R-O-Y, Red, R-E-D-D, and everything pops up there. My website, my books, everything. I'm actually in 15 minutes from now, I'm getting on a podcast on my show, The Entrepreneur Underdog with Clint Author, who you were talking about becoming a celebrity in your niche. 
he is the best guy in the world at doing that for people. He's actually one of my mentors and I actually get to have him on the show. He gets guys on TV. He gets you verified on Instagram. He's like the positioning guy and he's like super high energy, high impact. Um, but yeah, books, Amazon, RoyRed.com, Google. And if you reach out to me on any social media platform, I'll talk back. I'll DM back. I answer questions. I'm on my phone all day. I have a phone addiction. So take advantage of it. I listen, I, I tell my daughter at dinner and stuff like that. And she's 14, but I say, you got to put the phone away. It's dinner. <laughs> but I tell her this, I say the day that that makes you money, you can have that phone. You can be on the phone and tell me to get off my phone. So I, I, I will say, so I'm not, I know the phone and it's funny because she says to me, well, you're on your phone. I'm like, yep, my yeah, phone's making I'm me making money. money. <laughs> All right. Well, Roy, I had a pleasure speaking with you. I would, and I'll say this on air too. I definitely would love to get up with you. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to, you know, entrepreneurs, I think need to also collab and bounce ideas off of each other. So even on air, I want to say this to you, not off air. I'm definitely, if you don't mind, I'd love to reach out to you and talk offline some more. Anytime, anytime. Um, and then definitely um, I'm going to send some emails your way and let's stay in touch. And I want to have you back on. And you got to come on my show. Oh, Let's definitely email each other later tonight. And I want to on air though, tell you how much I thank and appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Tommy really works hard. So, so do you. Thank you guys. Thank you, everyone. Everyone have a great week. Go crush it. And again, 6am runners and our whole community. I can't thank you enough for everything and every day of support you give to us. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>